Welcome to Furniture of My Mind, your quirky Sunday morning podcast in which I bring you, um, uh, it's complicated. Today I bring you a woman's mind. Much after I had stopped being puzzled by men's distinctly different responses and much before I had experienced the depth and range of differences, I came across a graphic presentation of a woman's mind and a man's. It was meant to be one of those mindless, ha-ha, that's funny kind of inane forwards which have come to replace Hardy, Austin, Bronte and people's reading habits. Yet, it resulted in an aha moment for me. Now it all made sense. The illustration showed the simplicity and linearity of the working of a man's mind and the convoluted complexity of a woman's represented by overlapping thoughts laid out as an extremely complex network of pipes. Needless to say, the illustration overdid the contrast, but like with so many exaggerations, it made me realize a basic fact With the backdrop life. of idle contemplation, I tried to peep into my own mind as I was getting ready to go for a wedding. Where are my black socks? asks the husband. The layers of thoughts, each with its own distinct emotional feel and flavor, is like a multi-tiered trifle pudding. But unlike the trifle pudding, which is served in a transparent glass dish so one can admire the colors and textures of the different layers, bringing on an anticipation of the kaleidoscopic richness of taste, a woman's mind rarely reveals all its layers, even to itself. The moods, thoughts, feelings from its numerous layers pop up unexpectedly, unannounced, at odd times, demanding attention like a spoiled child. Some even startled by their sheer novelty, absurdity, mulishness, demanding more than their fair share of attention. This is especially annoying when one is trying to focus on a single train of thought, which the immediate occasion demands. So while putting on lipstick and realizing it is far from the shade you thought it was, your immediate realization splits into multiple strands. One is wondering where the dashed coffee shade is. The other is assuring that this will work just as well. A third is addressing a latent query about the fate of the hardly used lipsticks which have been sitting in a wicker basket for nearly a decade now, like the collectively aging harem of some liberous sultan who has long since moved on to newer glittery forms. Close on the heels of this thought comes an already thought one long ago, that of the happy idea of inviting the neighborhood kids to use the old lipsticks to paint a picture, which was the reason they were there still. But that's not all, because this one pulls out a feeling now, that of guilt and self-deprecation at not having executed this idea till now. This then pulls back the lens of thought to give one a wide-angle view of a guilt-ridden landscape of all the exciting learning-centric activities one wants to involve the neighborhood kids in, but hasn't. The camera pulls back some more as the edges of the frame start darkening with the underlying existential angst that all the, all the things that, you, that are yet undone of the sands of time falling thick and fast, of a deep down sense of knowing that one won't always have control of all one's faculties, concern about one's child, anxiety, anxiety about the health of the surviving parent, wondering what lay around the corner in the future. And while all this is swarming and whipping up like a tornado in one's mind, found them, says the husband. This sudden taking off into the unknown, unexplored depths and heights 
can happen at any time, anywhere. It's as if there is an over-enthusiastic rocket with all cylinders firing. Do rockets have cylinders? No, 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 halt, pull back. Don't go scampering off on another trail of thought. Ready to take off at a moment's, nay, a micro-moment's notice. A word, a visual, a person, a movement, or the lack of it can set it off. Sometimes the rocket attains orbit velocity in so short a time that I lose track of where it took off from. And this leads to momentary exasperation. When this happens in the shower, I am left wondering whether I have soaped and showered or have yet to soap myself. That's why I prefer old-fashioned soaps to fancy stuff that comes out of squeezy bottles. The slowly popping telltale bubbles on the surface of the just-used soap or their absence. Isn't it exciting that there is always a counter or their absence, its absence, his absence, her absence to everything? For instance, it's truly amazing that stop, don't take off, not this rocket, not now helps me reach a satisfactory conclusion to the soap or not to soap conundrum. Actually, I'm quite wary of these squeezy and non-squeezy bottles whose contents are so varied in perfume and color. I don't like the fact that they have taken over the bathroom. I liked it better when I had just a soap and a shampoo as bath buddies, both quite distinctly different in shape and form. One's mind could then happily take off and go darting on any tangent of thought while going through the mechanical motions of bathing, undisturbed by the need to focus on which bottle to choose and pick and how much to use, etc. Soaps then were red, green, white or translucent brown and not lilac and peach and lemon. Creams came out of jars or bottles and were Nivea and lactocalamine. Oh, well, looking at the brighter side, the exasperation-laced usage of the range of products now leads to its own happy trains of thoughts. As I pour a blob of conditioner on my palm, I'm struck by the word conditioner and its need to embrace not just my hair, but the air around me. Why do we really need to condition our hair? The camera lens starts pulling back and I realize we live in a world of conditioned hair, conditioned homes, conditioned responses, conditioned opinions, conditioned expectations from people around us, from our own selves and the world in general. I glare at the blob of hair conditioner on my palm, which stares up at me innocently. I'm only here for your own good, it mouths. If shiny, flowy, peach-colored goo could mouth. Of course, that's what all conditioning claims to do. It's only there for our own good, our well-being, to make things slicker, smoother and better for us as we go through life. To gently turn us away from stretching our mind, from original thought, from anything radical that may otherwise come up in the vast, unplowed expanses of our mind. Better to condition now than deal with it later is probably the underlying subconscious thought as we go about raising our children, encouraging them to be front runners in a herd rather than use their intrinsic talents and explore the frontiers of their own minds and cut. That seemed the only way to bring this piece to an end.